Welcome back to Homestuck Made This World, a show about the critical analysis and contextualization of the webcomic Homestuck. I'm Michael, and with me is Cameron. Yep. This is episode three, part two, in which we are continuing to read act four of Homestuck. Uh, We're going to uh, read up to page 1,000, I think, 770 today. Uh, And unless you have anything you want to say other than, yep, Cameron, uh, I'll start in on our summary. Uh, Yeehaw. All right. On the land of wind and shade, John is contacted by Gallows Calibrator, who claims she wants to help him progress through the game. He sets off and recovers the Con Air Bunny Dave sent him for his birthday, then arrives at his destination, a massive citadel where sleeps, according to GC, his Denizen, a powerful boss character that polluted Loas with oil and who will uh, be faced near the end of the game after John passes through the seventh and final Skya Gate. Dave is contacted by Grim Auxiliatrix, who wants his advice on how to talk to Rose. Simultaneously, Rose is contacted by Adios Toreador, who wants advice on how to troll Dave. GA subsequently ends up locking Rose and herself into a complicated series of achronological conversations as alleged revenge for their first conversation, which GA found for some reason insulting, but hasn't happened yet from Rose's perspective. AT, meanwhile, tries and fails to have a rap battle with Dave. On post-apocalyptic Earth, the Exiles welcome the windswept Questant and offer her a crown. PM flashes back to Prospet when she visited the White Queen and informed her of Jack Noir's assassination orders. To help out, WQ simply abdicated, handing over the ring that empowered her with the prototypings from the kids' sprites, and then sent PM to see the White King on the battlefield in Skya. On Earth, WQ forgoes the offered crown and gives it to PM. Rose consults with Jasper Sprite, who, as an unhelpful game construct, informs her she is destined to write letters that are the notes that make a song from which all life springs. In talking with Jade, Rose discovers she has subconsciously defaced the walls of her room, just like John, though we do not yet see what she has written. GC helps John acquire a rocket pack to cheese the game and face his denizen early. Dave suddenly contacts John to tell him he's entered the game and Rose has fallen asleep and is unresponsive. John is too busy to deal with this and blasts off. We abruptly transition to the land of heat and clockwork, Dave's planet, where he is absolutely destroying some monsters with time travel powers. Dave then speaks with Rose, and their conversation reveals that John died when GC sent him through the gate, their game entry chain was broken, and they never heard from Jade or the trolls again. They have spent months in the game since, playing as far as they could, and now with their combined knowledge, Dave is going to travel back in time to try and stop John from dying. He also suggests Rose go to sleep and help her past self's dream self wake up early. Dave travels back in time to the moment of the final conversation with John. John is initially skeptical of future and also current Dave's warnings. Then future Dave drops all of his future loot and throws himself into Dave's sprite, creating Dave's sprite. John blasts off for his last gate, but remembers when he opened his present from Dave, that is to say the Con Air Bunny, along with a heartfelt note about the value of their friendship. The memory causes him to divert his course at the last second, saving his life. 
CG calls John to complain. He explains that despite completing the game, he and the other trolls are still in their session in a belt of meteors called the Veil, positioned as neutral ground between Skya and the Dark Kingdom, littered with labs and weapons technology. Beyond the Veil in the Kids session, in the Dark Kingdom of Purpo, which we are to believe for some reason is called Durse, Jack Noir is confronted by the Black Queen over not wearing his Harlequin Princess uniform. In one of Purpo's dream towers, Rose's dream self awakens and sees her dream graffiti, revealing Jasper's big secret, the word meow written repeatedly, which through plot magic transliterates to GCAT, an acronym for the four bases of DNA. Finally fed up with the Black Queen, Jack opens Jade's present to John and uses what is inside to sever the Queen's ring finger, destroying her. He takes the ring for himself and assumes her terrible powers. In a brief interlude, Andrew Hussey enters the narrative and provides a recap of Homestuck up to now, which you don't need because you are lucky enough to have me. John is contacted again by GC, who sort of apologizes for his death, but also does not understand why she has to. It is clear that the trolls could not see the timeline deviation, and from their perspective, it never happened. She helps John for real now, sending him through a gate to Rose's house, where Rose is sleeping on account of her dream self waking up, because that's how that works. Dave tricks John in order to make a copy of Rose's diaries for snooping later. John also finds the birthday present Rose never got around to sending him, an old and strangely familiar stuffed bunny she's repaired through her knitting. Rose is contacted by Grim Auxiliatrix in what turns out to be their first conversation, only Grim Auxiliatrix is actually talking to John because Rose herself is still asleep. On Purpo, Dream Rose floats over to visit Dream Dave, who is and already has been awake subconsciously in his room, uh, covered in Sweetbro and Hella Jeff graffiti and haunted by a cackling Dream Cal. Rose finds the puppet annoying and throws it out the tower window where it lands on Bro's passing rocket board. It is glimpsed by the authority regulator who pursues it for illegality. Meanwhile, the kids' guardians are revealed to have all entered the medium, where they are fighting various monsters and are slowly drawn together by Jade's mysteriously alive grandpa. John unknowingly follows in their footsteps, eventually stumbling into one of the labs in the veil, and that's where we leave off for this episode. So, Cameron, yep. oh, what would you have to say? I uh, just, uh, yep, that's where we left off. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, uh, I mean... Is there anything that really jumps out to you about this uh, set of pages? Anything that you really want to say right up at the top? Well, you remember uh, back when I said uh, that John throwing that cake out the window was really funny. Mm -hmm. That's still the funniest part <laughs> of, this whole, <laughs> of this entire comic. It, it still might be the best part. Mm-hmm. Because uh, we're in fantasy bullshit universe now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't know how I feel about it. Mm -hmm. It's complicated. It's extremely complicated. It's extremely, uh, the word that you've used before is uh, sticky, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, you know, th that's the thing about uh, magnets, right? They got one side that draws you in and one side that propels you away from them. Interesting. At mm. uh, an equivalent speed. And, uh, I, you know, I think this might be 10% more complicated than it should be. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I'm curious about your, your research on this because, uh, just in case people are not following along, there are 
children who have entered into a game space in which there are two versions of themselves mm-hmm. doing independent mission-based video game shit <laughs> and interacting with each other on those levels. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious in your research uh, about how people are reacting to this, like just getting more and more complicated as time goes on. Uh, and also, if Hussey has said anything about why this is so goddamn complicated <laughs> <laughs> and what the benefit of that was uh, from a storytelling perspective. <laughs> okay, so... Um, also, uh, third question, much easier. Why would a puppet have a, a dream self? <laughs> That's an amazing question. Right? Mm-hmm. Little Cal is an inanimate object, uh-huh. theoretically. Theoretically, yes. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is Michael's Harlequin voice. You can hear it hidden behind <laughs> his regular voice. Uh, um, okay. Anyway, I, I guess you can just answer my first two questions. <laughs> the Little Cal that I just described is 100% inanimate. Um Mm-hmm. So, uh, how are people reacting to this in general? Well, <clears throat> this is an interesting question because now it is time, I think, to kind of surface something that I've allowed to to be a little uh, implicit, right? Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, the main one, is that I cannot talk about it a whole lot because it was not sort of the angle of the fandom that I was pursuing. And uh, mm-hmm. I think the best archives of it were the official forums, which are just, you know, mostly obliterated at this point. So uh, we are hitting the point where uh, most of the time I have focused on kind of the the lore and world buildy kind of thing. Uh, you know, people are trying to figure out, like, what do these titles mean? Like, what the heck is a witch of space? What's a night of time? That sort of thing. Uh, we are also starting to get uh, people who are here for the characters. Um, and I don't I, 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 this is in some ways, right, I think a very false dichotomy, because I remember when I was reading this myself, uh, I enjoyed both kind of the plottiness of it, uh, especially right now. We'll, we'll recall that we're not using reader commands anymore. So I remember uh, historically at about this time during this set of pages uh, noticing the uptick in like stuff happening. Uh, and I was enjoying that as well as enjoying like getting to know these characters. Uh, mm-hmm. But there is definitely a, a sort of increasing presence on the uh, official forums, which I am gauging primarily through indirection, right? Uh, I am relying on the something awful thread to tell me certain things about what is happening on the official forums, because there's a lot of like crosstalk. People are reposting things that are happening there or like saying, Hey, look what this person said. Now let's discuss it here. Mm -hmm. And of course, like you, you can't take this as like a direct unmediated relationship. Something awful has a particular, or at this point still has a particular type of user at this point, very much had a particular type of user and they were interested in certain things. So Mm -hmm. one of the things uh, for instance, that the Something Awful thread is not talking about is the ROM art thread 
or the romantic art thread. Uh, we're starting to see the emergence of um, fan fiction that is specifically sort of looking at romantic relationships between these characters, uh, not just the kids themselves, but uh, touching on something we, we mentioned um, in the intermission, uh, the relationship between Spade Slick and Snowman, or in, in another kind of you know iteration, uh, Jack Noir and the Black Queen, um, because we've mm-hmm. you know got these characters who persist in a certain dynamic across what seems to be uh, uh, multiple types of existence. So uh, I think one of the things that is interesting about Homestuck is that when this is updating serially, all of this stuff is happening at once. And even if it feels overwhelming, it does not feel as overwhelming as it can feel when you are sitting down and just reading it and it's all coming one after the other and you have to make sort of very quick choices about what it is you are prioritizing as a reader. Like, what are you interested in here? And also, like, what are you going to bet is actually going to matter in the future? Um, mm-hmm. Because people are loving how it's getting more complex, in short, right? And I would say that across the board, Um in the sense that like, oh, yeah, more characters like this is great, like more people to learn about uh, sort of, uh, you know, more interactions to have. Uh, whereas also like more weird pl- plot bullshit. This is great. Like <laughs> more weird lore things to puzzle out um, very much like it, it is interesting to me just like how uh on board everyone who is posting especially in the something awful thread right seems to be hmm yeah um and so then uh to touch then on the other question you asked right like what what, has hussey said anything about why this is so complex well in as many words no uh but there is an interesting answer on the forum spring that i would like to to touch on here at the beginning um, and this is from uh, sort of the March-April span of the early form spring. Someone asks Hussey, I feel the pace of Homestuck has improved over that of Problem Sleuth. Just to pause, actually, I want to point this out. Uh, Problem Sleuth lasted a year, and the last six months of that were the final boss battle. So when people complain about Problem Sleuth and pacing, that's kind of one of the things that they mean. Lord. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, This person thinks the pacing of Homestuck has uh, improved over that of Problem Sleuth. How do you manage that pacing of an organic story? What have you learned about fluid storytelling that might have helped uh, keep a schmuck like me interested in updates instead of alienated by too much? Uh, And Hussey replies, I have no idea why you like this thing. I always tend to assume at least 99 out of 100 people will want nothing whatsoever to do with Homestuck, whether due to its complexity or its peculiar format. And I keep being surprised that so many people keep tuning in. Then again, I'm also surprised by how popular Lost is, when you might expect a show of such complexity to scare people off. Maybe what I'm discovering is people actually like complexity and will even gravitate toward it as long as it isn't a total train wreck. If you unapologetically tackle high complexity head on and pull it off somewhat, it seems like people respond well to it. Sure, they may not understand it, and if you've never heard people speculate about Lost, they definitely don't, but they like it. As for fluidity, I really don't know. That's not a property I'm cognizant of while working. I just try to make sure every page has some purpose, whether it's just funny or amusing or advances the story in some way. 
the most important page is always the one I'm working on. I never put out pages just to take up space or kill time. I think if a story manages to be a succession of meaningful, entertaining events, then that fluidity happens automatically. Well, I'm over here flexing. Um, I've whipped my shirt off and I'm flexing. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm doing the, the upward crescent. I'm doing the downward crescent. I'm looking like Schwarzenegger in the 80s. That's right. I called it. It's lost. It's all lost. It's all lost. Complexity for complexity's sake. I also love, this is just delightful, uh, that uh, Hussey has to get in there that they understand lost better than other people. <laughs> <laughs> like gotta get that in there like oh uh you know also on top of all this other stuff uh i'm a genius and everyone else is an idiot i understand lost and no one else does mm -hmm. <laughs> like i there's something uh very peculiar about that mm -hmm. yeah no it's a uh, 2010 baby i i there's so it's just such a 2010 post such a like person in this position right uh, uh writing kind of a, a building train of enthusiasm for a, a you know, a similar type of puzzle box story, uh, because now we, we, we get the other thing that's happening here that I should mention, right, is that uh, we're getting payoffs to certain things or like what feel like payoffs uh, to the fan base or the reader base, because uh, the, the for instance, the thing about uh, GCAT, right, the uh, four bases of DNA, um, mm -hmm. this is a thing that the uh, readers have figured out uh a long time ago because all of the usernames that the kids have on pester chum uh initialize to those four bases with the exception of john who we learned actually changed his name and initially had a username that fit the pattern so people have like figured out that there was almost a pattern that it was broken at some point and now it gets folded into the story that like yes that pattern is real there's a reason for it uh reason and, and kind of scare quotes because this is like some of the the mm -hmm. biggest billowiest like fantasy shit <laughs> like the fact that uh m the word meow just becomes gcat right yep anyway uh magic 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 is real mm -hmm. michael Mag magic is real magic is extremely real cameron it is not fake <laughs> as shit <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, so like that, for instance, right. When that happens, that feels like a payoff, right. To get that confirmation mm -hmm. of something that had been speculated on for so long. Yeah. The, um, the relationship here, right. Because obviously Hussey is reading all these fan theories. Yes. You know, like, like there's, there's no universe in which that's not happening. And so that there's something really interesting that seems like it's transforming here because now user commands are gone mm -hmm. and yet user commands are still here. Yes. But they are picking and choosing the kind of threads of fate, right? Like, like, uh, uh, what you call it? Those, uh, old, old Greek dead, dead people. You know what I'm talking about? You know, the ones, the fates. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you pick, you pick each one of those bing, bang, boom, as they're happening organically in the world without actually taking commands. It's a pretty genius way of uh, doing the same shit, but <laughs> in a different way. Uh, in the middle of that, you get, uh, you know, some, some pretty good, uh, comedy writing. Mm -hmm. 
there's some pretty funny stuff in this in this section. Yeah, the the one of the things that really strikes me about Homestuck on uh, this reread in particular is being able to feel kind of the machinery moving underneath it uh, and realizing like, so here's something I want to be a little bit uh, also more explicit about because we've gotten some comments about this kind of thing on like uh, Discord and on Twitter about Again, my my fairly like limited entree into what is happening here in, mm-hmm. in like the big Homestuck fandom. Um, and I've been focusing a lot on sort of this plot speculation stuff. But a lot of people have said like, well, you know, people were uh, talking about the characters and ships and like, but also sort of like wondering about, um, you know, what happens? Like, what is the story of these characters rather than like, what is the story of this world? And that is absolutely mm-hmm. true. Um, but the thing that is interesting about Homestuck, I think, is that the weight that the story itself is putting on different aspects of fan engagement at any point in time are going to shift. Uh, and we are seeing the shift in the story now from kind of a weird plotty video game bullshit into more character based interaction. And the vehicle for that is the trolls where it's just like, there are just moments now where we stop having the story move forward. So one of the kids can talk to the trolls and set up like a little troll subplot, right? With the, for instance, the whole thing with like um, grim auxiliatrics and her, completely bonkers strategy for uh trying to get close to rose <laughs> well <laughs> i don't know any of the trolls i can't distinguish them from one <laughs> another is is this the strategy that's talking to dave about how to do it or is this the one that's about like my meeting three is your meeting one <laughs> that that's uh that's grim auxiliatrix yeah and that's where she's trying okay. she's trying to explain to rose like uh, the order that their conversations have already happened in from her perspective, mm-hmm. but have not happened yeah. yet from Rose's perspective. Yes. Okay. And yeah, and they all just like take a pause to chat, chat about this. Yeah. I, you know, I would say that something that's really interesting about this whole thing is that once reader commands go away, it really is only things that are moving the material world of this game space forward or long form conversations. Mm -hmm. Like there, there uh, is very little wheel spinning in the way that there was wheel spinning before, even though there's a lot of times where like nothing is happening really, you know, um, it's just like playing out some little joke or a reference or whatever, but it's not in the same way. I I guess there are moments where I, let me correct myself. There are moments of wheel spinning, but those moments of wheel spinning are just in reference to previous moments of wheel spinning, Mm -hmm. which are really annoying. Like when Dave is just making a bunch of crap Mm -hmm. out of his, um, whatever, uh, garbage, the pokey garbage, (laughs) whatever that stuff's called. Um, uh, you know, that's just a reference to the previous time. And like, that's, fine but Mm -hmm. i'm clicking through that pretty quick Mm -hmm. um but i do like i I really like the conversations between um (laughs) john egbert and gc which are very funny the the one that is on uh 1635 is really uh great when they're trying to figure out what the code is for the rocket pack Mm -hmm. it ends up being (laughs) (laughs) pachoo yes (laughs) um (laughs) <laughs> I was. I gave you. I'll just read it. I gave, I gave you the code. It's Pachoo. It took for. It took a while for him to figure out. But I gave it to you instantly from your perspective. Why would I make you wait? That would be inconsiderate. Oh, <laughs> I just thought that was you just going off to get the code and making this like rockety noise or something. I don't know because you're kind of goofy. 
Well, you're kind of welcome, you ungrateful orth horse's noisy butthole. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's funny to me. Mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> uh the the character interact like this is this is one of the things that um so at this point historical Michael again is not paying attention to things. I don't know that reader commands have gone away, but uh I and this is it's such a it's so interesting, I guess, to realize that this was kind of my experience. Like I remember feeling uh slowly more invested in this story over kind of this series of updates. Uh, precisely mm-hmm. because uh, either things seem to be happening aside from like the alchemy binges, binges that you mentioned, mm-hmm. which were kind of like I could handle that. Right. Because it's like, OK, yeah, we've got this like weird game iterative logic at, at work. So everyone's got to have an alchemy binge. OK, whatever. Um, But uh, things seem to be happening. And then like. Uh, even though I, the trolls had irritated me, I was like, oh my God, more characters. This is when I was like, oh, these, this, this is actually fun, right? Like not just, not just conceptually fun because of book of the new sun things, but like, oh, it's, it's fun to have like slightly more irascible characters for frankly, the more even tempered main kids to, to kind of bounce off of in this way. Well, it's a little bit of trickery too, because in this this chunk that we read today, right? Like Dave gets to grow up by cheat codes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Dave gets to grow up because Dave from the future, who is like smarter and more mature, but still like a little bit of a, like a fun guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he gets to come back and like start jumpstarting, you know, bootstrap, bootstrap paradoxing (laughs) (laughs) in some ways, Um, Dave into himself Mm -hmm. uh, who and making him a little bit more adult. And like that develops the Rose and Dave relationship a little bit um, to where you can clearly kind of see where that kind of thing is going. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, you know, it's a way the trolls are a really convenient device to make all of these other kids look way more normal than they are. Mm -hmm. Because John Egbert is a weird little dude. <laughs> He's a weird guy. And that's okay. I, you know, look, I'm I'm very on the record. Big John Egbert fan here. Still am. You know, when he, as soon as he meets that cat, he starts naming it. Oh, uh, Meowgun After Ghost. <laughs> yes, right? Just after Ghostbusters. Because John's got one thing he cares about. And it's primarily the Ghostbusters. <laughs> and then after that, it is Howie Mandel. <laughs> and then after that, it's Con Air. Mm-hmm. And I think in that order. Um, you know, maybe, maybe Con Air is in the middle, but you know, like that's, that's odd. That's oddball behavior. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but not compared to these trolls <laughs> who are extremely weird. Uh, and Dave gets to look more mature mm-hmm. and like more like a, like a, you know, less of an asshole because the trolls are more of an asshole. Right. So there's this way that, that, that the trolling narrative mechanism is introduced and creates a kind of wedge to like jam everyone else a little bit toward the median, mm-hmm. you know, of like normal human interaction. Um, but, you know, by virtue of seeing uh, this group of people who are way off the map as far as that's concerned. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of how real trolls work. <laughs> um, right. Real like trolls? it's very well. Yeah, it's real. They're underneath that bridge. Mm-hmm. And those uh, three Billy Groats gruff, they get coming along and they got to start tricking them. No, but the uh, right. You can be a, I'm just going to say it, real shit lord on the internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can be an asshole, just a real forums dickhead on the internet, 
but as long as you have someone in held up to point to, mm. you're not as bad. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it, on the internet uh, it, at the time in particular, but especially now, right? Um, or not especially, but in development now, I guess is what I should say. You know, because uh, history happens, lo and behold. Um, cultural uh, artifacts keep on moving. But as long as there's someone who is more extreme, who is doing the thing that you're doing, but worse into more negative effects, you can always point to them to, to point out the real problem. Mm-hmm. Um, right? Uh, the, the problem is not repeatedly sharing right-wing screen caps on the internet to make fun of them. The problem is the right-wingers existing to begin with. Mm-hmm. I'm not the problem. Mm-hmm. They're the problem. And I'm just pointing out the problem to you. Um, and I appear to look so much more reasonable for that because I am not them, which I am showing you because I am bringing them up to you, someone who would never see that to begin with. You can tell what my uh, Twitter pet peeves are, <laughs> but, uh, but right, there's something going on there, right? About constantly that the, the narrative mechanism mirrors a social mechanism, which is that if you highlight the most extreme thing, everything else looks so much less extreme, uh, in comparison. And, and the trolls do that, uh, you know, for, the weird fantasy shit too that's going on here as well. It's like, all right, they're explaining it and they're explaining it wholly rational. And I, I guess they're just part of this like weird ass universe. I have to get used to, Oh, they're in the veil. Okay. What, whatever. All right. They're in some sort of lab where clones get made or something. All right. Mm-hmm. Genetic engineering. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's sort of what is interesting to me also about the trolls is that, uh, they are simultaneously people who have already played this game, so they know all of this stuff, and they get to uh, do kind of the deflationary move where they're like, yeah, no, the game is going to explain this to you, but through a bunch of like magical riddles because of your stupid personal quest, blah, 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 blah. Here's what you need to know. Here's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So they are like, on the one hand, kind of veteran players who are helping these players cheese things. On the other hand, uh, they are a series of uh, like reader proxies mm-hmm. uh, because they are people who the, the the way that. So the other thing to mention here is that we get our first uh, uh, big, uh, I guess, breakout from uh, the quarantine that was the intermission and time bullshit proper, you know, uh, uh, intrudes into the main narrative here. Uh we get the the jump forward in time where John is revealed to have died. Uh, people like in terms of like complexity, uh, this is where people start really like scratching their heads and also freaking out because for a while uh, it does not look like, you know, the, that Dave is going to go back in time and fix things. It seems like the main character of this comic has died. Uh, added to this, I don't know if you noticed, Cameron, but the Flash update, um, and that's worth pointing out, that this is all kind of initially revealed in a Flash update. John, like, uh, gets the rocket and shoots up to his gate, and then the next mm-hmm. page is suddenly uh, gate five, and it's red. So, you know, we can associate that with Dave because he types in red. Uh, and then we get kind of the the whole thing with him fighting some monsters. And then this conversation with uh, Rose where we reveal that uh, John is dead. Uh, Jade went dark and then so did the trolls. And now they've been stuck in this like weird, like offshoot timeline. Uh, this all happened on April 1st. Of course it did. Mm-hmm. 
So that happens, but then uh, people are trying to figure out, like once Dave goes back to the past and becomes Dave Sprite and all that stuff, people are trying to figure out like, what what the hell is the time thing? Like, was that a future like, was that a future that we saw that was averted? Or was this a future like, like to what I mean is, was that a future that is still like threatening to happen to this comic or was it totally averted? And uh, in kind of the serial update space, this seems pretty hard to parse. Uh, and mm. it's one of the things where it's very clear to me, but also I've read this thing so many times that like I've internalized a lot of its time travel logic. So I don't know uh, if any of this, how did this sort of like make sense to you or does it make sense at all? Yeah, well, the jump is confusing, mm -hmm. right? I And I there's a formal reason why the jump is confusing. It does not happen in the way that Hussey has accomplished other tricky formal mechanisms of time travel and space manipulation. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that there is, it is actually a big stumble here, mm -hmm. and it doesn't surprise me that it's confusing. Because it's happening in the, in the like flash space and not between two uh relatively similar panels mm -hmm. um it, it means that you're just kind of left wondering what is actually occurring there, there there's actually a really cool so before i jump back to it uh let me uh 1593.94 if if uh, you're listening you want to look at it 1593 i got the i got a beep 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 boop all right, so uh, you get to see this really great moment, right, where Rose answers the troll, and then, so 1593, we get whichever one this one is. That's GA. Okay, that's GA. Look, you can tell how, how <laughs> my level of knowing any of this stuff, right? I'm assuming they'll all just get names or something at some point, and I'll, then I'll remember it, but uh, you got GA. We Then when 1594, we go to Dave in, a, in the same position, mm -hmm. right? So we get another one of, like, uh, Hussie's big moves, right? Really like that Dave is using a Game Bro magazine as a mouse pad. It's a real <laughs> early 2000s maneuver. Um, and then, right, so then we get, like, this uh, POV shot. Dave making sweet bro and hell Jeff while he's chatting. And then we get, uh, like, the the same, uh, what do you call it, like, over the computer shot, right, but flipped. All right, so we get, like, basically an eyeline match. So it's, like... Same shot, uh, 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 um, it, uh, a match on action shot, I guess, is what this is, 1593, 1594. Uh, it's a match shot, right? Mm -hmm. So when the positionalities are the same. I don't remember the exact type that it, that it would be called. But match shot, 1593, 94, POV shot, and then like a reverse match shot. So it lines up their eye lines. And so there's this weird, cool maneuver that's going on where it's like troll is interacting the same way that Dave is. We can see what Dave is really doing, right? Mm -hmm. So it gives us this kind of vibe of how much Dave is really giving a shit about this, which reads backwards. This is how much of a shit the troll gets. And then we get the eyeline shot, which is like, hey, I care a lot about this. I'm a different kind of troll. So like, <laughs> there's some really cool, um, uh, like formal mechanisms going on here mm -hmm. that you know i don't really know how aware of any of this that, that hussey is i think that they're just a very talented comics artist at the end of the day mm -hmm. um and they kind of intuit these things but that's all to say that when we get into the time travel stuff it's really or this this like offshoot timeline thing mm -hmm. none of this is there mm -hmm. Um, that I would say that there is very little kind of artful, um, uh, I don't know, entree into that. Mm -hmm. And it's really uncharacteristic, I would say. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I think that's partially why it's so confusing is that normally Hussey is pretty good about giving us visual characteristics that carry us into these like weird things. So like when we're bouncing back and forth in time between post-apocalyptic earth and, you know, the, the frog temple when it's underwater and all of that stuff, right? That, that tends to be really well done and make sure that we understand that like we're in the same place, but a different time, but here we're in the same we're in the same place, but a different time. And the only way that you know that is through kind of a, a set of rotations, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Cal Sprite. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously they're talking about things that haven't happened. And so, so you know, to take one step back, I'll say this. I think when you have the formal residences, so like when the form of the comic is, is uh, telling you information in the way that it's kind of cinematographically or comic bookily <laughs> doing these things, anyone can follow along because that's kind of part of visual culture. Mm-hmm. You know, these are this is a grammar of visual culture that that if you watch movies or TV or anything that you are already kind of introduced to the things that are happening in the offshoot timeline timeline jump or whatever the the way you read that is through fan commitment Mm -hmm. you understand that based on differences about what you know about these characters and what their conditions are and like uh what level (laughs) dave is and like (laughs) the fact that he doesn't have a cal sprite right Mm -hmm. so what's going on there there's something interesting going on there about um sometimes hussey is doing storytelling arc uh, uh, uh formally and traditional kind of visual mechanisms and other times it is what i would only the only thing i could call it is like fan archivally Mm -hmm. it is dependent on fan knowledge and labor in order to kind of parse that out Mm -hmm. and it sounds like that's what you're saying too on the other end is that people had to work it out um before it maybe became more clear as the thing was going on and what's really interesting is that it's not confusing to me it's confusing when the jump happens because i was like did i miss something Mm -hmm. did i like accidentally skip forward or something but as far as the mechanism of it it's like oh yeah if there's like all this time shit going back and forth then why wouldn't there be like aborted timelines Mm -hmm. uh it's just hussy going through like you know the what what are science fiction stories about time what do they do Mm -hmm. you know there's none of this is particularly new you know yeah uh a lot of this is like bray bradbury stuff mm-hmm. in, in the sense of the mechanisms of time time travel and the way it works um but uh, so so yeah it was just like oh yeah well future dave's got to go back in time and he's going to go back to before they messed up the game uh but what that's really interesting because the trolls keep telling them and maybe that's not in this reading it might be in the next one but they keep saying like hey you really you've already lost the game mm-hmm. like it, you you're in a fail state right now <laughs> like you're not going to be able to win no matter how many times you kind of go back and do stuff and and that's um that's pretty interesting that that's actually one of the the at this point like big long narrative hooks for me that's the thing that's really keeping me in is like oh okay well if if they are definitely in a fail state, or if the trolls think that, mm-hmm. then what, what's going to happen? What are they going to do? Mm-hmm. And this is uh, one of the things that started making me very interested in kind of the meta plot of this comic. It's exactly that, and it's um, it ties into what I said about the trolls functioning as kind of reader surrogates. Uh, because as uh, becomes very clear in, in kind of the next reading, but is also strongly implied in this uh, set of uh, readings... Uh, the trolls do not see the offshoot timeline. The trolls have a timeline in front of them uh, that they can access at any point, it seems, that they want to, uh, and they can do that non-linearly. And that's that's how they're stuck in all of these stupid shenanigans with, like, talking backwards and forwards to people through time. 
Uh, so they have a series of events in front of them that they can uh, look at and read as if it were, say, I don't know, a video, right? Or some sort of comic book. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time they try to, uh, you know, intervene in it because they see how the story is going to go and the story is going to go bad in some way, right? These kids are locked into a fail state. Um, and yet, nevertheless, when they try to intervene, uh, it appears to just send them off into the, the kids off into another fail state that the trolls themselves cannot see or access in any way. So uh, it's just failure all the way down. Uh, but there is like a like the trolls are locked to a specific sort of like trajectory of failure. And uh, what are we going to do with all of this like weird offshoot timeline stuff that in in the other sort of like weird thing here, right? That offshoot timeline uh, turns out to have been integral for the main failure timeline anyway. Because it was always already going to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it comes back and intervenes. Phys- like Dave coming back, mm-hmm. you know, impacts the real quote unquote, you know, pri- uh, timeline prime, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it there. Um, I I like when uh, I really like when Dave, uh, whatever it's called, he turns himself, himself into Dave Sprite. Mm-hmm. What's that called? Prototyping or yeah, something? Self prototypes. Okay, you said, and the trolls are like, of course, of course, you would try that. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Uh, well, but but that also implies there's an implication here that either the trolls have watched this game before mm-hmm. in other variations, or they've seen other games, mm-hmm. or some other thing that I, I can't think of. Uh, what do you mean? Well, so. They when the self prototyping thing comes up and they're like, of course you would get clever, like you always get clever like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that means they have seen other completed sessions mm-hmm. where a fail state has happened. At this point, it's unclear. I guess is what oh, I'm going to say see. is that mm-hmm. it, 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 at this point in the, um, uh, you know, for for all of Act Four, I guess it is unclear what the extent of the trolls' knowledge about different timelines is. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm, I'm taking your word that they can't see the other thing, and I think that might show up here too. But the way they are talking, to my reading, it seems like, oh yeah, they've seen the game play out a few times in a few variations, and maybe that's not true. Mm-hmm. And certainly, by the time that we can see their screens, that doesn't seem to be true, right? Mm-hmm. They they can see one time era mm-hmm. going um you know from from kind of different starting points it seems like but uh at this point it's unclear like exactly what the extent of their knowledge is mm-hmm. well we will we will learn more about what the trolls do and do not know and what they have and have not seen we get a villain here finally uh do we sort of okay well, tell me about it uh jack noir so here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Is this our Jack Noir? Oh, what do you mean our Jack Noir? Well, so at some point here, mm-hmm. maybe it's in the next reading. One of these trolls is, explains the medium. Is it in the next reading? Uh, I think it's in the next reading that we get a, a, okay. a lot of big info dumps about that. I won't jump forward then. We'll talk about it for the next time. Okay. Or, oh, in, yes, in yes. Next, I know exactly. Uh, I know exactly what you were talking about, um, which conversation and that is in the next reading. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a little. Uh, I'm doing a little hussy here mm-hmm. for the readers. <laughs> I'm just gonna lay a, lay a little bit of track here and then uh, pretend like it didn't happen and then reference it later. But uh, but yeah, so we get. Uh, I, I mean, exactly what you said in the thing, right? That 
<laughs> Jack Noir. <laughs> I, okay, how does Jack Noir sour on that ring? S- sour on it? Sauron. Oh, like Sauron. From, uh, okay. I, was yeah. like, I was like, I didn't think Jack has a particularly negative view of the ring. Well, he's he's got a little sour face. I'll tell you that. <laughs> he's always looking like he's smelling something he doesn't want to smell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but no. How how does that happen? Because we know what's in John's box later. Yes. We we find out later. At this point, we don't know. All right. But the, like the the thing that we find out that is in the box is, I mean, not not you you could you could maybe is not a thing I understand in the least. So let, we'll talk about it again <laughs> in the next episode. It's not a thing I even remotely understand. Mm-hmm. Um, despite again having read every panel of this comic <laughs> book or this web comic, so uh, so we'll get there. But yeah, so he he d d rings mm-hmm. the uh, the Black Queen, mm-hmm. and we get uh, you know and and usurps the power. So here's here's a question for you. So what we learn is that the the Black Queen's ring it's got like four little pearls on it, right? Mm-hmm. Each of those pearls. Deter are, are uh, they confer powers and abilities? Yes. Those powers and abilities are correlated to the things that have been prototyped into the sprites. Mm-hmm. So, uh, clown sprite, mm-hmm. nana sprite. <laughs> no, no, nana sprite's not in there. Just, just, just clown sprite. Mm-hmm. And this is a this is a thing that people are perennially confused by. Um, and has to keep being re-clarified at this point in kind of the thread <laughs> discussions uh, because it's like and it, weirdly enough, like it is made clear. It's just a big deal is not made out of it. Um, when John, when is it made clear <laughs> when John first entered the medium? This is the other thing about like Homestuck, right, is that mm-hmm. things happen, but like the narrative itself is not uh, going to always immediately pull out a thing and explain to you uh, the consequences of something. Mm-hmm. When John first entered the medium, his uh, sprite, you will, you might recall, hatched, right? It split into mm-hmm. two. And uh, one of uh, it, we got the description, one of the little uh, flashing things floated uh, over to Prospit and the other one floated over to Purpo. Um, or actually, it, it, we weren't told that explicit rate, explicitly. One uh, floated up and one floated down. But that's where they were going. Yep. So yep. Uh, only the things that have been thrown into the sprite. uh prior to that moment have an effect on the enemies anything that is uh thrown into the sprite afterward has a null effect so nana her ashes were not thrown into the sprite until after that the hatching as it is called in the text um similar with dave sprite uh so Mm -hmm. there there are no imps uh with like nana powers or dave powers because those things were put into the sprite after their respective users had entered the medium I'm getting the exact same feeling you get when you have to like read a wiki page for a roguelike mm-hmm. before you can start where it's like, oh, my God, what have I gotten into? <laughs> I can't believe I've spent I spent fifteen dollars on this and now I've got to read this wiki. <laughs> oh, uh, that makes a lot of sense. I get I mean, OK, look, I feel like this is a thing I'm going to have to say so many times for the rest of the show. <laughs> That makes a lot of sense, I guess. <laughs> Within the, the context of this thing, that this melange of, of just 
decisions that have been made. <laughs> uh, a lot of decisions. Yeah, but so that means there's only three characteristics, right? Yes. That are attached to the ring right now. So there, there's uh, Harlequin stuff. There is uh, Crow stuff. And then what? Oh, Cat stuff? Yeah, uh, Cat and Princess. And also, no, no, no. Uh, cat, Princess, and... Oh, because oh, the the Princess doll was remade uh, as the uh, Eldritch Princess doll. So Tentacle Princesses, uh, Cat things, uh, Jester things, and uh, Crow things, plus also Sword things. Because the Crow had a sword stabbed through it. <laughs> Uh-huh. And that is why Jack was being forced to wear a dress. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't. And that had been a development since the last time Jack had been forced to put on a costume. Mm-hmm. Because before it was that's, just Harlequins. Now it's Harlequin princesses. That's right. Okay. That's so, okay. Got it. That's why I was confused about it. I was like, I don't know why this is occurring here. But that makes sense. I guess uh, he uh, uh, yeah, but he he lops the finger off and then becomes gets the ring, which gives him a power set to then like go and whip a bunch of ass. Mm-hmm. I don't know why any of this is happening. Like I know like causally I mm-hmm. know why, but I don't know why like why is Jack Noir interested in. In asserting power, mm-hmm. why does he start doing the things he does in the next episode? I don't know what any of the motivations for any characters who are not like playing the. Sorry, let me take one step back here. There's a lot of stuff happening at this point, mm-hmm. like a lot of just individual things occurring, mm-hmm. and half of them have no explanation at this point. Mm-hmm. And if I were reading this comic in real time, I would have stopped reading this thing at this point. I can very confidently say that. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm bewildered by the like fan advice that you should just re- start in, in Act 4. <laughs> I mean, same. I, I, don't, I don't understand that even a little bit. I... <laughs> Why? What? You? What would you know? Yeah, I like. It would be so confusing. It would be the most confusing. Yeah. Uh. So the, I, I understand. Uh. Your point about like the the motivations not being there, and I think what is interesting, um, is that in the thread, uh. This is not really a question, right? It is, of course, right? Jack is just, like, hateful. Like, that's kind of the the understanding is that, like, Jack does not want to be wearing uh, all of these ridiculous outfits. And mm-hmm. so he kills the queen and then usurps her power, right? And now he has uh, set about just destroying things uh, because he wants to, I guess. <laughs> it's very children's literature again. Mm-hmm. Right, like you know, this is not to go back, and I think we'll probably return to this a few times. But like it, it that is the logic of books for kids, mm-hmm. which is like he is he is mean and he is bad, and she was mean to him, and so he is now going to take her powers and like go and wreck havoc over the world, mm-hmm. which is like okay, I guess, but like w- without any, like what's the end game there? <laughs> like I. I, you know, I understand the end game for the trolls, which is that they are bored, mm-hmm. is what it seems like. Mm-hmm. They are bored. They are at the end of time, basically, mm-hmm. trapped there. And they're just, like, entertaining themselves. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I understand the goals for the kids, which is like they have to play the stupid game, mm-hmm. and they're being forced to do that. And Jack Noir and the whole, the entirety of like Prospect and Purpo and its like interactions between one another at this point, those mostly just feel like hussy doing whatever hussy wants to do and and we'll like backfill all these reasons later mm-hmm. uh and that it's a it's a weird vibe at this point and it's been a subtle m- maneuver to get us here but it's like i don't think that feels right for jack noir i know a lot about jack noir mm-hmm. i had to read a whole intermission about him mm-hmm. <laughs> and he has all kinds of like motivations and things like that and there's some like real question mark stuff for me here of like well, I don't think the Black Queen is dead. I mean, maybe she is, but I don't think she is because Snowman, if Snowman dies, then the world ends. Well, are are the Black Queen and Snowman the same the same person? Visually, they're very similar. I don't yeah. know. You know, that's a question. But that leaves open to me like, well, the Black Queen could still be alive mm-hmm. is my, right. you know, my kind of entree here. But okay. the but yeah, it's like there's a, a real kind of a back and forth that I have to have here between what I know from the intermission and what I know from Homestuck proper. And it seems like those two things were converging in some way. But then they are definitely as far as like characterization is concerned. They're not really doing that. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Yeah, I understand that. I, I, I'm I, going to say that everything you are saying is justified. And this is maybe also another interesting thing to observe about like serial reading versus archival reading, where the fans have uh, in between updates a long time to kind of ruminate on these questions and sort of mm-hmm. start to fabricate reasons for why things might be working out in the way that they are. So, uh, you know, for instance, we had Spade Slick in the intermission who looked quite a bit like Jack Moore. uh, But what was Spade Slick's primary, like, goal? You said he had motivations. Uh, He wanted to get the hell out of there. No. And he wanted, well, what do you want to do? He wanted to murder everyone. Well, did he want to murder everyone? He wanted to murder all of the felts and then rob Lord English. Yeah, that does. That sounds like uh, that's a heist. You're, oh, you're telling me that Danny Ocean uh-huh. also wants to murder everybody? <laughs> no, he just wanted to rob Lord English. Yeah, and he was getting rid of uh, all his enemies, all the felt. <laughs> I don't know. That just feels different to me. No, I mean, I think it is different, right? But what happens sort of here in kind of uh, you know fan reading, right, or sort of like uh, uh, serial reading is uh, a, a sort of abstraction, right? Like, oh, here we have uh, two kind of maybe versions of the same character who do, who are doing very different things, but are also, uh, well, also seem to be ultimately uh, driven by selfishness and a drive to kill other things, mm-hmm. right? Um, so uh, taking a character and kind of trying to distill them down into a template or like maybe component parts uh, that can be reconfigured based on the situation in which uh, that character gets deployed. Yep. Yep. I've, I've, I can I am seeing into the future. Mm-hmm. I see exactly where this goes. <laughs> it's not a good place. Yeah, uh, well. <laughs> We're going there, though. We're already there. Uh, we, we are definitely... Oh, look, it's just called... I re- honestly don't know. I mean, I've read the next reading for this. We're going to record the next episode shortly. Mm-hmm. But uh, So I know a little bit, but I just... I could already see, 
like in, especially given to what some of the trolls were saying at the beginning or in the, I guess the middle part of act four here that like we are heading toward an infinitely proliferative future mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh I, I there's something about the narrative strategy here that I don't quite like have my hands around but which is fascinating and I understand I I, I totally get why you like homestuck at this point like as a, mm-hmm. as a like a little crystal cube to like spin around in your hands <laughs> <laughs> because it's it is a um it it's just internet culture right like homestuck made, did make this world mm-hmm. um and it was parasitic to this world too but there's a way that hussy has like peered into the depths of like what makes internet stuff work mm-hmm. and has turned that into a game mm-hmm. and uh one of the things is like an infinite set of opportunities or points of inflection or points of attachment you know an in- an infinite opportunity for moments of stickiness mm-hmm. and that really feels like it, it's an interesting thing that this is what the the internet has increasingly become you know we've talked regularly on the show about you know becoming the main character of twitter but you know, becoming the main character of Twitter is a weird evolution or transformation of making one really dumb post on the forums mm-hmm. and like being written into the annals of history <laughs> as, you know, uh, you know, and there are lots of things that are a part of that, right? Like that are still part of the, the firmament of Internet bullshit, right? Like Grover House comes up every six months as, it, as its own new thread. And that was just a guy who didn't know how to do construction. Yep. Who was confidently posting about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and there's many of those people, right? Uh, you know, there's there's lots of c- those kind of like viral um, accidents. Mm-hmm. Um, and But it is the infinite variability of the posting format, right? That at the end of the day, everyone's got a user icon and is working with the same tool. And it's like, you know, a million monkeys with typewriters. Mm-hmm. And eventually some of those things create lasting impacts that kind of become part of you know, uh, the, the the cornerstone of the internet building. And this is kind of about, it seems like, by the middle of Act 4, about four kids who are playing a big, weird meta game and about different character types or or person types or, I don't know, iterations of humans or, or just beings, I guess, in general, that become cornerstones of future timelines. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's... Um, I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot of places for that to get bad. You wouldn't be wrong. (laughs) So uh, the other thing to then mention, uh, as I mentioned in my summary, is that after Jack ascends, and so I said I presented this as like, oh, we get a villain, Um, Mm -hmm. which was not, you know, clear to me necessarily from the beginning, uh, but very shortly he's going to start like wrecking house. So we can just go ahead and Mm -hmm. call Jack Noir here kind of a villain. Um, Oh, yeah. The like I remember this moment. Uh, one thing that makes it memorable is that this is the one year anniversary of Homestuck. Uh, yeah. Four thirteen, a year to the day. Um, and I remember like watching this flash animation and having like more or less the thought I was like, uh, you know, basically, goddamn, something's finally happening. <laughs> uh so i had that kind of uh, uh sort of first uh, uh inkling of of like plot momentum here rather than like here's a game world that i've constructed and we're going to kind of like muddle our way through it um mm-hmm. the other thing then is that immediately after this uh development 
uh, Andrew Hussey appears as a character in the story, uh, right? We get like a shot of the fourth wall uh, again, right? That joke. And then we see Hussey through the fourth wall coming up to the screen saying like, God, I wish this thing had an off switch. Uh, and then writing for us a full summary of the first year of Homestuck. Now, way back in some other episode, the number of which I'm not going to bother to remember, um, we had talked about a set of fingers, Cameron, that we saw typing Spade Slick's name. This is on page 953, if you happen to have the app open. I do have the app. Let me look. That is 953. All right, hit the enter button, and God damn it. Mm-hmm. So we see, this is when uh, Jack Noir first shows up, and uh, someone tries to name him Spade Slick. We see a set of fingers typing on a keyboard. Uh, Jack Noir does not take the name. And then, of course, Cameron, type in uh, at your little browser up there, 1674. Let's see, 74, okay, and hit enter again, and god damn it. So the fingers that tried to name Jack Noir Spade Slick are the fingers that are typing the recap of Homestuck at uh, this point in Act 4, which is to say, uh, Andrew Hussey was here already. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you had you mentioned in an early episode, you know, to what degree is Andrew Hussey a character? Well, here we are, right? We have uh, this character, Andrew Hussey, who is, of course, not not the actual Andrew Hussey, the author, like clearly kind of like uh, uh, a a vision of the web comics person um, mm-hmm. and complete with kind of that type of humor. The thing that really strikes me here is that this uh, uh, recap ends with um, what was it? This sort of like cavalier passing like, oh, if this uh I'll just go ahead and actually get to the page. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, there's there's like the the ego trip, right? Um, I conjure this intrepid fantasy scape with tears bled from the wisdom weary eyes of 50,000 imaginary magicians. And this goes on for a full paragraph. And we've got this like panel of like cartoon hussy, like arms up in the air uh, with like all the characters heads like floating around and all these explosions and stuff. Um, And then the command is. And the the other thing to note, right, we're we're out of reader commands at this point. So this is like, uh, you know, Hussey author talking to Hussey character or talking through and at. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. The command is this is stupid. Stop being a wise ass and get get drawing. Uh, And yes. So uh, then we transition back into uh, the the main story with Hussey saying, um, uh. Yes, that's enti- you decide that's an entirely enough of that. If this website becomes any more self-aware in a playfully self-deprecating yet weirdly self-aggrandizing manner, you're going to go drown a bag of puppies in a sewer. Lord. Right, which is just such like... Early 2000s voice. Yes. <laughs> this is like webcomic voice. Right, like gratingly so, like monkey cheese uh, stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't really know where that came from. I... Invader Zim, I think a little bit. Oh yeah, right? I guess Invader Zim has got to be a part of it. That that's got to be in the in the universe of it. Maybe Dexter's Laboratory. There's a little bit of that in there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I actually because like Penny Arcade sounds this way at the time too. Mm-hmm. This like weirdly weird overwriting mm-hmm. and like sort of like uh, absurd violence, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Drowning a bag of puppies in a sewer, um, mm-hmm. and sort of the the, the thing I guess right the, uh, that I haven't mentioned on the show. Is that prior to all of this, Hussey, well, I have mentioned this specific thing. Hussey had a graphic novel, uh, Whistles in the Starlight Calliope, 
um, mm-hmm. which was put out by uh, the unfortunately named Slave Labor Graphics. Oh, yeah, which also does Yon and Vasquez. Yes, stuff. right, exactly. So if um, you want to find like sort of the, the little threads of DNA for like uh, the variety of hussy styles of writing, right, there's Vasquez, there's your Johnny Homicidal Maniac. Um, yep. Right. So anyway, uh, this is all to say like this comic is straight up like working in the idea of the author self insert character. This is again, like something that is extremely common in early two thousands web comics, uh, that eventually, uh, and this of course is not like happening in every web comic, but it was even in like 2005. I remember this sort of thing being kind of a joke, right? Someone starts a web comic. It starts out as like a hangout comic with like, you know, a bunch of people who are like based on this was a thing. This is a huge thing uh, based on like all of the friends in your dorm, right? Because everyone was making uh, uh, I'm not I'm not. <laughs> this sounds like a huge dunk on uh, 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 Ian and, and Matt from uh, Mac Hall, but I swear it's not. I really loved Mac Hall, but this uh, this is also like a, a oh, Gosh, what's her name? Um, Maritza Campos uh, Robelledo, uh, who did College Roomies from Hell. Um, you know, uh, you start out with a comic that's like, here are some people who live together in a dorm room. And then like it con- it's constantly like it starts out being slice of life and then diverges into like these weird like fantasy things. And then we have alternate timelines. And then eventually it's like, oh, here's the author of the comic uh, who turns out to just be a person who just hangs out with us. And I mentioned Bob and George a couple of episodes ago. Um, And that was like a huge thing in Bob and George is that like the author of Bob and George became just a recurring character who would show up and do things. So uh, when Hussey has uh, Hussey show up as a character to provide this recap and there's all this kind of like, oh, my God, not enough, not an author self insertion arc. Please don't do this. That's what it is uh, simultaneously reacting to and also enacting. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's ex- it's exactly like, I mean, it's what you said, right? You, you're you getting why I like Homestuck because it's the little crystal of the internet that I can turn over in my hands and I can point to like all of these different things and be like, here's how the internet works or worked, right? Here is a thing that uh, this comic seems to recognize about the way that uh, internet comics are are doing or were doing and it intentionalizes that in a way that is extremely strange Mm -hmm. Uh, as far as big plot stuff goes other than jack becoming the the big bad guy Mm -hmm. i don't really know uh we were introduced to hephaestus Mm mm-hmm uh did you know how how are we introduced i guess is my question that's where the uh big hammer came from Yes, uh, Dave Sprite comes back from the future and offers a gigantic hammer that he got from someone named Hephaestus. Uh, any guesses as to who Hephaestus is? No. Oh, okay. Um, well, you mentioned uh, earlier that at a certain point you could see, uh, and I don't think I kept the page up, unfortunately. Oh, no, I did. Um, on page 1595, Cameron, mm-hmm. uh, when we're looking at Dave's desktop, yeah, there's Hephaestus. Yeah. It's on his um, future desktop, or it's on his dream desktop, too, that I was just looking at in mm-hmm. uh, on uh, 1741. Mm-hmm. So uh, Hephaestus is the name of Dave's browser. Well, what the shit? 
Mm -hmm. And if you go back and look at all of the kids' uh, desktops, you will see that each of them uses a different browser. For instance, uh, John has a browser named Typheus. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, so th the point is like, these are like little breadcrumbs. Uh, and I think at this point, the uh, the fan speculation is that these are the names of the denizens, the, the big boss creatures that live in the core of the kids planets mm -hmm. that they, they have to go murder at the end of the game. Mm hmm. hmm. OK, uh, I liked uh, I mean, there's some interesting stuff here. We get the name of Purpo, of course, mm -hmm. uh, which we, is Purpo. Uh, uh, yeah, it's Purpo. Uh, Lil Cal gets thrown down into Purpo mm -hmm. and then caught somehow. Mm -hmm. Why won't they get rid of Lil Cal? <laughs> uh, because it's really funny to have a bunch of objects that continually persist for absolutely no good reason. But is Lil Cal popular or something? Um, like, are people like, oh, no, what's going to happen to Lil Cal? <laughs> or is this just Hussey making an arbitrary decision? I really need um, to know what the temperature is on Lil <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, Lil Cal is kind of like his own little joke, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because mm -hmm. it's this thing that uh, it's it's bro. So thing number one, bro's extremely weird puppet that Dave insists does not creep him out. But two, uh, nevertheless, sort of like a, a dream Cal has like manifested in in Dave's, you know, tower subconscious. Mm -hmm. So. The read there, right, is that like, oh, Dave is actually probably a little and Dave actually mentions in text here uh, that he has trouble sleeping. Right. And he's always had trouble sleeping instead of getting like uh, some psychological writing from like a, from a realist perspective about a character's like interior strife. We get that literalized in sort of the game logic, right, in sort of the game space where uh the readers understand uh, dream Cal as like, oh, yeah, this is a sign of like how much Cal actually bothers Dave, that Dave senses there's something off about bro's puppet fascination and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So when Cal shows up, uh, it's like, you know, oh, no, it's Cal. Right. Because uh, and it's, again, very children's literature. Right. It's it's uh, uh, the idea that, you know, I understand that this is here because I am the reader in like the like. Uh, this is a thing that I am supposed to be distressed by, even though it's not actually that distressing, right? It's distressing mm -hmm. to the characters in some way. Uh, and obviously Cal is extremely weird, um, but I am going to sort of enact a, a, a kind of like heightened response to the appearance of Cal or sort of the persistence of Cal uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, actually, it's, it's not like people love Cal, right? They, they are sort of picking up the signals from the story uh, that I think Hussey is telegraphing, right? That this is this is just a weird thing that is uh, disturbing to the characters. And, you know, uh, the, the readers then react kind of accordingly, right? They, they sort of like perform the dismay for the characters. Sniper, no sniping. Yes, exactly. Great. <laughs> uh what's up with this uh, uh troll being blind uh not great stuff yeah what's i mean going on with that joke there so uh uh gc gallus calibrator is blind um uh or i i think she's the one who says she's blind i think she's uh, mm -hmm. the one who mentions that rather than uh gc 
But anyway, uh, we get a lot of weird stuff about this troll being blind. And uh, she talks about like uh, licking her computer screen to see things. And then she Mm -hmm. like registers things via taste. And what is happening, for instance, in the Something Awful thread is a lot of discussions about like, is this even true? Uh, at first, at least. Right. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. Uh, they're trolls, I guess, and we can't take them at their word. But also the things that are being described are absolutely bizarre. Um, and then eventually we do get a shot of the trolls kind of hanging out in their lab and we see uh, a GC walking and she has a, uh, a oh, gosh, what's the name of there's a specific name for the type of cane that um, uh, oh, I, I did not know that. Yeah, it's I think it's called. Is it a red cane? I don't know. Um. I can't I can't remember exactly, but it's uh, because of the colors, right? It's it's red and white. And that's like it's a specific signal for um, uh, a type of blindness. So anyway, she's using one of those. Um, How this ends up really working in the comic uh, is and we we exchanged some words about this last night, and I think it's extremely um, apt, Uh, like early 2000s vibe of like a person with a disability who's also a cool with it right totally cool uh so the characters and particularly like the the kids um are mostly dave let's say uh but all of the kids to to greater and lesser degrees um will constantly insult gc for her blindness or like make cracks about her being blind and then her response is to never take any shit Mm -hmm. um which is like it's again, it's a, a, I, the way I was thinking about it is like, yeah, I would expect to see this type of character in like uh, an Adam Sandler movie from 2005. Yes. Right. Yes. It's right. Here's this sort of like side character who has a disability and um, it, we, we don't want this is this is me adopting a voice here. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be paternalistic and present these uh, people with disabilities as, uh, uh, you know, very sad or put out in the world. They're going to be full of life and verve and zest. And one of the ways that we're going to demonstrate this is that they are going to be constantly insulted for their disability. And their response um, is going to be just to constantly insult people back. Yeah. And it's like everyone can can give it and take it a little bit at the mm-hmm. end of history here. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, yes, there's a lot going on there, but uh, uh, th- this is my favorite of the trolls. Mm-hmm. She, uh, she is very GC. good. She's very funny. Um, the other ones are okay. The one who capitalizes the first letter of everything, who is mm-hmm. like, just trying to figure out like <laughs> how to talk to Rose appropriately. I, I like that one, too. Mm-hmm. But, and the other ones are whatever. Dave is trying to explain to her like what sarcasm is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She she keeps being like, you are rude and I do not enjoy talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, So uh, uh, it's good that you bring up this issue of of blindness because disability is going to move closer to the center of this comic in a lot of ways. And really, yes, um, it does not necessarily get better than what we've just talked about. Um, but uh, it, I guess just suffi- I suffice it to say, like, there are going to be more discussions to be had about, like, what this th- what this story is trying to do with regard to disability or what it thinks it's doing versus what it actually does. Mm, interesting. Um, 
Uh, some other things that I just wanted to uh, touch on. Uh, the 414 uh, day in the thread, so just after Jack's ascension, we mm -hmm. get someone who, by my reckoning, uh, obviously this might have been said on the official forums at some point first, but this is said in, in the um, Something Awful thread on 414. Homestuck is anime. <laughs> uh someone also says and i think this is this is an interesting post from the forums because basically i think this person calls it after a session of unproductive plot speculation i was thinking that hussy's genius is that he's managed to parlay the interactive storytelling thing he started out with into mastery of basic fictional tropes that his readers can project anything onto he combines some very basic coming of age stories with cryptic symbolism then grabs the ideas that people project onto them incorporating them into the narrative and fueling a new wave of speculation Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what. Yeah, I would say whoever that is. Shout out to you, forum poster from 2010. Yeah, uh, you called it. Yep. Good job. Uh, something awful forums user Ben again. And and you and the interesting thing about that too, right, is that that is exactly how the uh like it's the the aesthetic uh kind of mechanism and the narratorial mechanism. Obviously, those things are run into one another, but. What what I mean by that is like that's the prototyping, and then everyone is a Harlequin, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like oh, look what happened! <laughs> like, yep. oh, you need to figure out why that's going on now. You need to like figure out exactly. Oh, only two of the pearls on the ring are lit or lit up, but you know three prototypes have happened. What's going on there? Boo! Mm -hmm. A lot of that shit. Um, other people are talking about, well, so, uh, in general, right, uh, people are wondering about the suggestion boxes. You'll recall that when Hussey closed the suggestion boxes in the last reading, uh, this was done with the, uh, promise that they would return on 413. Uh, now a couple of things actually happened, uh, historically that are sort of unimportant, but also like worth mentioning. Um, it seems like Hussey's plan for a lot of this material that we got in this section was to happen a lot sooner, uh, but a few things happened. One, I think uh, Hussey goes to a convention, uh, and so that takes like a weekend out or something. Uh, there is flooding in the area, uh, not of the convention, but where Hussey lives, and uh, their apartment floods, and I think also their computer gets uh, uh, fried. And so there, there's a lot of like real life stuff that like intervenes and seems to uh, derail whatever the original plan was for 413. And at some at various points, I think in the news posts and then also in Form Spring, Hussey does talk about how initially there was a very ambitious plan for a whole bunch of animation updates culminating in something on 413. And then uh, they all get sort of reworked into what is now sort of the back half of uh, Act 4 entirely. Um, but people are wondering like, oh, okay, 413 rolled around. Where are the suggestion boxes? Uh, Hussey says, uh, uh, I'm seriously considering just not reopening it. It's much more relaxed. This is on the official forums. Then uh, it's been quoted on something awful. It's much more relaxing doing it this way, not having to pour through hundreds of, of suggestions and force some silly stuff to work. That's actually kind of time consuming. And at this stage of the story, barely adds anything uh, positive to the process. I read these threads and add tons of ideas anyway, whether they're voiced as actual hopes for a story direction or just speculation about it serves the same purpose. 
More so, in fact, because people's ideas aren't handcuffed by command format. So, for instance, uh, this is a thing that directly impacts the comic in sort of the live update reading. Um, so the, you know, on the forums, there was like, you know, here's the thread where you talk about like the latest pages. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, someone realizes that Dave has fallen asleep because Dream Rose wakes up in her tower, floats over to Dream Dave's tower and then uh, forces uh, like Dream Dave is already awake, but like bonks him on the head with a ball of yarn, which forces uh, Dream Dave to fall asleep or no, waking Dave, Dave to fall asleep, yeah. fully becoming Dream Dave. Mm -hmm. um, when this happens, someone in the thread says, <clears throat> I just realized that Dave fell asleep on the keyboard while he was talking to John. Now I want to see John's reaction when he gets something like this and then like a message from TG and then a whole bunch of like, you know, lying on your keyboard nonsense. Mm -hmm. This precise thing then becomes a moment that happens in the comic, right? This reader's kind of like little idea for like what a funny thing that could happen between these two characters becomes a funny thing that happens between these two characters. Yeah, and so the the closing of the suggestion box is the opening of the entire internet as a as a uh, suggestion box. Yes. What a meta move. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this really reminds me, I'm going to talk about this in the next recording that we do. So people, it's another little uh, hussy-like uh, future um, expectation for you. But this reminds me a lot of what got reported with Westworld, where they mm -hmm. were reading the Reddit threads of of uh, speculation in order to write the back half of season one. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so this is the same thing. We're going to talk about Westworld in that episode as well. Homestuck made this Westworld. It's true. <laughs> um, some other things that are happening here that I just want to touch on very briefly, um, but not terribly in depth because it is in many ways just uh, uh, weird forums drama. Uh, a couple of episodes ago, you noted that we had our first Toby Fox music track. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um so that was not actually the case when this comic was being updated live. Uh, that specific page, which is where John goes to sleep, uh, had a uh, little uh, musical cue by a different artist on the sound team um, who at this point is in the process of really blowing up and leaving the sound team. So uh, this uh, artist is named Bill Bolin um, and at this point, uh, posts a sort of long thing to the official forums explaining how uh, working with Hussey is uh, bad, um, how it, it, it does not meet his standards of professionalism um, and how he it is basically just like tr like laying out all of this stuff in the open and what all of this stuff really is. Uh, and this is a huge post. I want to be clear, like it is in a weird way. It's like a classic like forums meltdown. Mm -hmm. um, what happens is that there is a secret forum on the official MSPA forums where the music team uh, basically posts what they're working on, right? Drafts and things like that. Uh, Hussey just is read, reads through this forum, listens to what people are making. And then if uh, there is something that seems particularly good for a flash animation is like, oh, OK, I'm going to use that in this flash animation and then just takes it and makes that animation. In one of the pages here in this reading, specifically where Rose goes over and visits Dave in the Dream Towers and uh, we get the Gnarls Barkley reference, uh, or not Gnarls Barkley, Jesus, uh, the Charles Barkley uh, uh, <laughs> Gaiden thing, uh, uh, Shut Up and Jam. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. So we listen to a bunch of like uh, <laughs> a little beats on Dave's Dream Dave's like Dream Machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those originally were tracks that uh, Bolin had posted in uh, the the music forum, but had posted them as drafts, things that were not completed, and they got incorporated in that format into the Flash animation. Bolin did not like this, right? Did not hmm. like that he had not been approached for kind of like final approval on using those things in the Flash animation because he considered them incomplete. Um, and as I said, this is a very, very long, very angry post. I am not really sure how old Bolin is at this time, um, but... Like in the middle of this, like writes, you know, you do not have like it line by line, capital uh, uh, letters. You do not have what it takes to talk professionalism with me. <laughs> a whole bunch of more like and this is just like addressed kind of like to hussy, but also kind of to everyone reading it goes into sort of this long um like, imagine if if Andrew Hussey were working for a newspaper and drawing illustrations and then just all this whole like sort of theoretical, like, what if this happened to someone <laughs> in an artist position? How would uh-huh, you react yeah. to that? And then ends with a grainy webcam photo of him flipping off the camera. This is that yeah, that's the ultimate forums post right there. Mm-hmm. Like the, it's the webcam photo that makes they're like, I, I, I don't know if my words did it. We're going to have to show an image here. Yeah. So uh, regardless of what you think about like Hussey's work process here, because Hussey does like come into the thread and is like, what the hell is going on? Um, that's part of what Hussey's response is. Uh, but then the other. Oh, sp- yeah, that would absolutely be your response if you were <laughs> taking someone's work. <laughs> it would be like, I don't know what's happening. Oh, um, what's going on here? Right. But it's also like uh, kind of shitty because it's like you've talked on this forum before about how you you are mentally ill and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's, yeah, I can't yeah. imagine a response to this that is an actual response that wouldn't be as equally shitty. You yeah. know what I mean? Like. Like, I can see, I could, I bet that if you gave me this as a prompt, I could write the forum's argument, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and get within 80 percentile accuracy. Yeah, I, to touch on some, I guess, current events as of now, right? I saw Lotax do this so many times. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. Like, this, this was, just, yeah. Yeah, Rich, Rich, uh, uh, Kayanka, uh, Lotax Kayanka, the, the founder of Something Awful, who, um, uh, uh, died this past week as of we're recording. Um, this was the thing, like, I would watch this sort of thing happen on the Something Awful forums constantly, where some poster in particular decided to pick a fight with Lotax, and Lotax would just, like, come in and just, like, counter flame endlessly. Yeah. Uh, the huge whiny baby asshole idiot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like hammer those people. I mean, that that was the if if you were the sole proprietor of a a web forum, right? Like running on web forum software in the early to mid two thousands. I think this is just how you interacted with people, and I think that probably Lotax was the template for how one does that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I don't know about the direct relationship between here between um, you know Hussey and Lotax, even though I think we know that Hussey was an essay poster, right? Mm-hmm. That's true. At, at some point in the forum spring uh, answers for this uh, section or the next one, Hussey says, uh, "Yeah, they are reading the something awful thread." Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's just to say, for people who are listening who might not have the context for it, this is like a not uncommon occurrence mm-hmm. for like uh, someone to 
have a what you know, Michael, what you call the Forbes meltdown, but you mm-hmm. know, a long emotion ridden, serious to them, um, you know, uh, strong argument as if like the the forum could, I don't know, write the world into the mm-hmm. correct shape, right? Um, and uh, and you know, and those would often be like posts that were either maxing out the character count. Mm-hmm. So they had to go into a second post or they were, you know, just um, they would spill over into other platforms, things like that, you know. And so then there would be the inevitable uh, posting of the emails that were exchanged afterward. Uh-huh. You know, that, that's a common thing. And so this kind of like mode of interaction, which which kind of exists now, but just not in the same. I guess now what you would do is you would tweet out uh, a like paste bin link. Mm-hmm. That would have some very similar content to this on mm-hmm. it, but mm-hmm. this is a very common form of interaction, and you know this is not to minimize any of this, right? the The relationship between form and content is a is a complicated one, right? the The form is socially determined, right? This is the way one says one's grievances, and uh, you know, what I don't, I have no introspection or knowledge of the actual grievance and how it worked out. But certainly, this person felt strongly about it, and it seems like they are no longer in any of the Homestuck stuff. Yeah. So the the, the consequence of this is that uh, uh, Bolin and Hussey come to an arrangement whereby all of Bolin's music is removed from Homestuck, and anything that was used is replaced by a supplementary track. So that Toby Fox track that you see in the Homestuck mm-hmm. web archive um, is in fact uh, not the original song that was there uh, though. So really the the first Toby Fox song that I think shows up technically in sort of like the historical sense is maybe the one um, from Dave Accelerate, the flash where he jumps forward in time, which is a, a, a Atomic Empire, I believe is the name of that track. Um hmm. At any rate, uh, yeah, that's a historical thing that's happening in more forums uh, uh, news. Uh, Fan adventures are running. This is the other kind of aspect of fan production that I've mentioned briefly. Um, And Hussey is one of the things that Hussey is doing here early on that I think is interesting is always pointing out like um, interesting fan adventures that are currently running on the forums or ones that feel kind of, um, you know, novel or whatever. Uh, so one that is running right now is a, uh, felt fan adventure by the person who originally commissioned the midnight crew for problem sleuth. Uh, people, I have seen some people wonder about this, right? That the midnight crew enters into Homestuck from problem sleuth as a, a kind of, you know, reader, uh, paid fan command. Uh, what were kind of the mechanics there? Did the person who basically came up with the Midnight Crew, who then become an integral part of Homestuck, uh, did they get any sort of like compensation for that? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, this is how it works out. So as as far as I can tell, and this is based on the emails that were posted by the person who who did the commission, um, uh, the, the username, I'm just going to refer to them as the username they were using at this time, uh, uh, Mayonaka. Um as far as I can tell, uh, how this commission went was uh, these were D&D characters or at least tabletop characters that Mayonaka was working with um, or working on. And I think uh, he just gave Hussey like the names uh, and maybe kind of a general description. And one of the things that Hussey says in response in the emails is like, I, you know, there's not a lot here, so I'm going to like fill in some blanks and I hope you're all right with that. More or less, I'm paraphrasing. Um, and then later on, uh, I guess kind of, you know, as, as kind of a, a favor to this fan, 
uh, either the fan approaches and asks this question, or maybe I don't think Hussey extends the offer. That seems like uncharacteristic to me, but I don't know. Um, the person who created this uh, or who, you know, commissioned the Midnight Crew um, asks, OK, if I run a fan adventure for the felt, like, would that be OK? Uh, it's about the felt like trying to fight. It's, you know, it's the inversion of the intermission that we actually read. So it's the felt trying to get themselves together in order to fight the Midnight Crew. And like the Midnight Crew has uh, I can't remember the name of the character, but like they have their own version of Lord English. Right. I think it's like Lady Midnight or something. Yeah, and Hussey is like, yeah, sure, right? This can be, and it's like pseudo-canonical is, is uh, how it gets pitched. So this is a very controversial thing happening on the official forums of people kind of being like, wait a minute. Like, all these people are running fan adventures, but this one in particular is like pseudo-canon somehow. What does that mean, right? What are the limits of this? Uh, and the person who is making the fan adventure is just kind of trying to make their story. And this just mm -hmm. like devolves and derails uh, over the course of this reading and the next. And I know this because in the Something Awful forums, one of the things that they are doing is uh, watching the main forums and sort of updating each other on uh, fandom developments and cackling about it. Mm -hmm. uh so uh you know i think there's a lot of like tension between uh mayonaka and the uh you know forum base where uh you know it's like you're doing something that i don't think should be canonical or like what are you doing or like uh, can we get hussy in here to like explain what parts of this are canon and which ones aren't um and eventually this uh just fizzles out right the way it gets described in the something awful forums is that uh, mayonaka like picks up picks up his toys and goes home right just quits the fan adventure um and that in and of itself is a, a, a very, I guess, fandom kind of interaction and a kind of prescient fandom interaction for, you know, just someone being criticized by the fans of the thing that they are also a fan of so thoroughly that they disengage. Yeah, that's got to be a big part <laughs> of, of what, you know, as as it expands and explodes, right? There's got to be more and more of that. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, presentiment of things to come. Hmm. One other important piece of context here uh, from the form spring. Someone asks Hussey, when is Homestuck going to end? Do you have an end date in mind? Uh, Hussey says Homestuck may end on 826. So August 26th, which would be twice 413. So there is a point in time here in early 2010 where Andrew Hussey is saying Homestuck may end on August 26th of this year. Obviously, that does not happen. Homestuck keeps going <laughs> until 2016. Was it? Hmm, okay. <laughs> that, that was ambitious. It's very ambitious. Uh, what I am going to do, and I, I promise you this, uh, because you, you don't have to remember this camera and I get to be, you know, your okay. your Nemo technical device here. Um, right. I will remind you when we get to August 26th of 2010 and we can take a look at uh, what could have been the ending of Homestuck. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I let me uh, make a little bit of a guess. OK. Of farting earth horses, but <laughs> <laughs> it is it is so much better than that. <laughs> OK. All right. So that about wraps it up for uh, this 
middle section here of Act 4, just to, to tidy some things and remind you of, of what we're doing here. We are Range Touch. Uh, you can find out more about us and all of the shows we do at rangetouch.com. This includes not only Homestuck Made This World, uh, but just King Things, where we're reading the books of Stephen King in publication order, uh, Too Much Future and Mages and Murder Dads, if you like uh, critical plays that are, are more about um, specific types of video games. Then, of course, Game Studies Study Buddies, uh, where Cameron and I read through books of academic game studies and talk about them. Uh, but you can also follow us on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash range touch. And that's where we, you know, tend to uh, toot all of our latest uh, updates, uh, you know, make little fun jokes and, and things of that nature. Uh, we also talk a lot about our Patreon, patreon.com slash range touch. This show would not exist if we had not reached a Patreon goal for people to get Cameron to read Homestuck and talk about it with me. Um, and if you want to contribute to our work and keep us going, uh, you can back us on Patreon. You'll get access to all sorts of bonus content uh, at various levels. For instance, the Just King Things bonus episodes where we talk about Stephen King films. Um, but also, very excitingly, uh, as should have been announced to uh, the Patreon at large by this point, uh, some Homestuck uh, bonus content. Uh, the first couple things we're going to do, well, we have a lot of plans for what we're going to do, but I can uh, share with you. Um, we're not settled on which order we're going to do these, but uh, Cameron and I are going to definitely record some bonus episodes on uh, Con Air and also Problem Sleuth. So if you want to hear us talk about some uh, more Homestuck like pseudo homestuck deep lore right like weird mm -hmm. uh tangential uh homestuck objects uh we are going to have that bonus content uh for you very very soon and we have many more things planned for the future i assure you we are going to have a good time we got the other stuff never ending story mm -hmm. gotta be in there we're gonna watch little monsters at some point mm -hmm. uh we talked about another book that i forgot but i'm certain that there's other stuff so <laughs> that you know we're gonna be uh digging into uh oh we're gonna watch uh lost <laughs> first episode <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that yeah um so so yeah we're basically doing um you know if you're familiar with the just king things bonus episodes we're, we're doing similar kind of things so a little bit more loose um but uh giving background and uh talking about it in that same way and that's gonna be a little bit of a higher price point than some of our other stuff um because this is gonna take a homestuck already takes up a lot of time mm -hmm. <laughs> like a whole lot of time so uh that's gonna be for ten dollar patrons and we're gonna have actually a very special brand new um uh, interesting i'm just gonna leave it there interesting tier it's gonna be worth it i think so mm -hmm. go to patreon.com slash range touch to check that out right now the description is nope the link is down <laughs> in the description the description is in the description below i can <laughs> promise you that <laughs> what a perfectly uh, homestuckian also, phrase the description <laughs> is in the description it absolutely is but also the link is in the description below patreon.com slash ranged touch uh, the other things you can do to help out are, of course, uh, reviewing us on iTunes, or I guess it's not called iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever whatever the heck it is you listen to your podcasts on. Reviewing us mm -hmm. on there is great. Uh, helps people uh, find out about us and how cool we are. We also look at those reviews <laughs> and we will read the cool <laughs> reviews and we will uh, counter flame tirelessly the bad reviews. Um I may edit that out. I'll see if whether or not I've like locked us into something horrible with that in my troll like way. I uh, let me. So I'll give you a thing you can cut to here. 
as I promised in the, I believe the last episode of this or last recording of this, uh, I will read five star reviews. Uh huh. <laughs> and uh, here's a good one. Uh, this is from uh, Adam King on uh, this the, a few days ago. Uh, you know, topic sense, whatever it is. The subject line: Ken Jennings is an F boy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the only way I'll ever consume Homestuck. Thanks so much to Adam King for that. Uh, weirdly enough, it won't let me load uh, very many of these other ones for some reason. Uh, but uh, let's see here. We also got That Epic Guy, Excellent Auditory Coyote Wrestling. Homestuck <laughs> is just a creature of a unique nature. I've seen others attempt to take a turn, but at this point... Never from the angle of British theater. <laughs> this show is like watching someone try to give a pet medicine, but the pet is a media zeitgeist, and the medicine is just excellent evaluation and criticism. A banger for sure. <laughs> That's from That Epic Guy. Uh, thanks so much, That Epic Guy. Thanks to everyone for gives us uh, who gives a five-star review. If you give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, I'll, uh, you know, I'll pick a couple. It won't let me see other ones for some reason. I'm, I don't know what's going on here, but... Uh, if you give us a five star review and it's in the top couple, I guess at this point, I will, uh, I will read it on the on uh, you know, shows coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So the other thing you can do then is if you we don't do advertising, if you want to help us out, you can just tell someone to listen to this show. If you have a homestuck in your life who wants to look back on the past decade of whatever the hell it is we've been doing, uh, we're probably good for that. And if you have someone who is just curious about homestuck, but, uh, maybe needs something a little more to, to interface with it, right? Someone who tends to bounce off of it or someone who you think, uh, is going to appreciate aspects of homestuck without necessarily wanting to read along with it let them know about us we might be very helpful for that um next time then uh you can all join us when we continue episode three and act four and we will be reading up through page 1988 so we're almost done with this right we're almost done with homestuck yeah i mean seven acts and we're completing act four so we've only got three acts left cool awesome yeah halfway more than halfway Awesome. Cool.